You have pneumonia or you have broken ribs? Yeah, something like that. Oh. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bros, Bibles, <laughs> and Beer. This is Jeff. It is Podcast 183 at the BBB. <laughs> nice. Zach, how's it going? Pat Robertson rose from the dead. Wait, Pat's alive? Uh, Andy? It's, it's hard to know. <laughs> it's Kermit the Frog or Jordan Peterson or something Same like thing. that. And you, Jeff? Yeah, I'm fantastic. And Scott. That's right. No Scott. Yeah, sadly, we're scottless tonight. Totally. Last minute gout th- throw up, gout throw up, gout flare up, gout throw up, gout flare up slash getting ready to um, teach bad theology to people at a quote unquote Bible study tonight, tomorrow. Oh, he's he leads a Bible study. He's I can do an early he prep. He could have prepared right early here. Prep. I don't know. This we would have prepared him. He had all weekend to prepare. Yeah. What better preparation than now? <laughs> I know. Seriously. Well, fantastic. I'll tell you about resolutions. <laughs> so, that's revelation. <laughs> it's, it's been a couple weeks and we're like out of sync trying to talk at the same time. Right. Go yes, ahead. Yes, Jeff. No, I was just going to mention our, our trip, but you know, what were you going to talk about? Oh, I was just going to play a, a quick clip from, uh, do it. The man who rose from the dead, Pat Robertson came out of retirement. Honestly, when I heard he did that, I thought he's alive. still. that man is old. That's funny. I did when you said it, I had a little bit of the Mandela effect. Like I thought that he was dead. Yeah, it's um, he's I don't know. Google it, listener. He's pretty old. Actually, maybe it's fitting. He's back. Maybe it's the looks like seven hundred club. What? <laughs> he's gotten so Stupid. old. He started to sound like Bill looks Clinton. Looks like seven hundred club. It's so dumb. All right, play it. All right. What did they only allow seven hundred people? Putin's out of his mind. Yes, maybe so. But at the same time, he's being compelled by God. He went into the Ukraine, but that wasn't his goal. His goal was to move against Israel ultimately. All right. So with all this Ukraine-Russia shenanigans, and I can't make heads or tails of it, and I, nor do I care to. I, I just see so many people on the right and left that just have it all figured out. And somehow it's another wedge issue where you take one side or the other and I got family that are convinced that the rapture is coming and Jesus is going to return. Although in rapture theology, Jesus returns to do the secret rapture before returning again, seven years later. Anyway, I used to be big on that stuff, but I don't, obviously we're not talking about all that tonight, but no, we're not. No, um, It's very interesting that the, the take you you hold so closely to a theology that any international event has to be shoved into that because I hadn't even thought of like, oh, Russia's really doing this because they're being compelled by God to ultimately invade Israel uh, to trigger the rapture slash great tribulation. Um, but before we get to uh, Jeff, do you guys have any, uh, just, just for fun, fun facts, do you guys have any strong feelings one way or the other about end times theology? Is that even on your radar? Just curious. Strong feelings? I don't have strong feelings about yeah. it. No, there's nothing I can do anyway. No, no strong feelings over here on this side of the table. Yeah, and uh, I think Scott would have some strong feelings, and I probably wouldn't have brought this up if Scott were here because it's potential can of worms. But I was talking to my oldest daughter a little bit, uh, and... Uh, kind of what you said, Andy, like, I don't, I don't worry about it. It's like, um, no matter what happens, it's, I think the theology for reasons I won't go to get into now is mostly wrong. And, um, 
I think it's almost always just a distraction from people doing Jesus-y things. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Regardless of how you feel about it, I, I haven't heard anyone mention anything about being able to have any impact on <laughs> when and how that may happen. Right. So I can only comment on the use of Jesus-y uh, because there are many years ago, my wife would use words and be like, that's not a word. It's not a word. <laughs> and she would appreciate Jesus-y. Uh, my, ra- my brain is trying to put together the rap from Rapture and Easy e with Jesus-y. Oh my gosh. I think you kind of just did a little <laughs> it bit. I just tried to do it. I was like, we're workshopping it. Yeah. I'll get there later. But that's it. You know, Jesus will come back when he comes back. And just may you all be ready. People well, get universe. ready. Are, are we? Are we ready? What are you consuming right now, Zach? I'm I'm numbing myself uh, with. Uh, I got a little boilermaker action with. Uh, what is this? Elijah Craig and a Stone IPA. I what? thought I thought a boilermaker was actually when you technically mixed them. It might be where you like. You it might be you get a, a cheap beer and you drop a shot in, pound them both. Yeah, but I like doing and the it sipping back inside. and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a boiler without the maker. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you guys are getting hammered tonight. Go ahead. Ooh, yeah. Jeff. Uh, I have uh, some grapefruit uh, seltzer, I guess it would be. Wow. Back yeah. on that non-alcoholic. Ne- I'm back on the keto. Neato keto. I've I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> Plus, I just <laughs> needed to cleanse myself from this last week. But I think if I didn't say the word Jesus-y earlier, you probably wouldn't have said neato keto. I think that triggered, like, making up words. I think it triggered it. Ah, uh, great. Maybe not. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll prevent the rest of this happening, listener. Uh, okay, so I am, I'm, I'm going to embark on Whole30, and I've been good on it so, so far today, but I, I am celebrating with a glass of champagne, which seems really weird for bros, bibles, and beer, and also, we don't keep a lot of champagne around the house, but we have one bottle. Well, bros, bibles, and bubbles. We've had women on here before. Yeah, so. well, yeah. There you go. Celebration. Cheers, ladies. Um, because only women drink that champagne. Yes. So a little bit of a celebration for something that I'll be able to announce in a couple of weeks, but Mm. I can't exactly announce it yet. Okay. Well, as long as we're talking out the side of our mouth. (laughs) Whole 30. Now in a nutshell, what is that for the ignorant listener? Don't eat anything ever. (laughs) And no fun. (laughs) Don't eat anything that's fun. That'll make you happy. And then eventually you'll feel smarter. And superior to the people around you. That's right. <laughs> and then you start a cult. No. Well, I've lost 12 pounds and I feel fantastic. How about you, fatty? Guess what I've not done? Everything. You're doing everything. You're eating almonds. That's bad. Yeah. It's 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 effectively, you can look it up. There's nothing, If you eat veggies and meat, then you're fine. That's, that's most of it. But if you eat, there's like no grains, no cheese, no dairy, no... No, that stuff. I so. think the cheese and dairy would be worse than the bread for me. Losing cheese and dairy. Well, pizza is off the table right now. Oh, so that, yeah. That's a... That's, yeah, losing the cheese. That that's bad. So I had some shredded chicken today for lunch. Yeah. Are you allowed to have salt? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're just celebrating the one meal you got to eat. Yeah, so then I had champagne. Just really top it off. I did it, guys. One day in. Wait. No, this is, yeah, cheat day on day one. But uh, <laughs> it's not that interesting. But I will say the last time I did it, was for Sober October because we were going to do Sober October anyway. And I was like, well, let's, that's really, if we're going, let's fully red pill this thing. And I wow. did feel great. And I didn't, I needed, I felt like I needed less sleep, had more energy, more clarity of thought, felt 10 years younger. And I, that probably would have all happened if I would have just stopped drinking for the month too. More NRBs. Okay. 
Well, it sounds like we uh, no landed the intro there. No reason, boners? <laughs> <laughs> Question mark? Anyway, maybe. Uh, guys, I've been, I've been thinking about something. What's that, Jeff? Oh, Jeff, what have you been thinking about? <laughs> Thanks for knocking that off the tee. Tell us what it uh, is. Now, so I, I have had something happening over the last five or six years, and it has to do, and we've talked about this before, it's the number 11. And I... I I couldn't quite figure it out. It was, it, it's 11 just kept showing up everywhere. And I looked in the Bible and I'm like, okay, maybe it's a verse, like the verse 11 or it's chapter 11 of um, verse 11. And I searched everywhere. And then I came to um, a message that a pastor was giving our, our pastor at our church. And, and he mentioned uh, John 10, 10. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have not, I've never looked up. Uh, you know, John ten eleven. I'm like, wait, it wouldn't we would not be ten eleven because it's got to have 11, 11 and eleven, nothing else but that. And so I went and uh, I looked up, um, John eleven eleven, and almost instantly convicted that this this was God constantly showing me, or and it's it's kind of incredible to tell someone, yeah, number 11 keeps showing up. It's like, yeah, but you know, show it would show up. You'd see 11. I'm like, it's everywhere. And then when I looked for confirmation after looking this up, I looked on my phone and I'm like, God, just like show me something. And it was 11, 11 when I was looking at my phone, I'm like, okay, that's, that's enough. Um, for the, for those that are listening, that may sound really weird, but, it would be like a blue ball sitting in front of you every time you turn around a corner. You'd be like, "Why is that blue ball there?" And at some point, you have to say, "Okay, there's something up with this." And so, this moment, I looked it up. It's about Lazarus. Lazarus. It's about. Um, ele- <laughs> but did I did I lisp? You did, did. Lazarus. I'm laughing because um, you're in the flow. I'm laughing because I did that in front of my kids and they have not stopped harassing me. Oh. I said Lazarus. 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 <laughs> That's about Lazarus. And there's, I think there's a Trip Lee song or Lecrae, uh, one of those hip hopsters, and he has a song called Lazarus. <laughs> and so the girls would go around, you can call me Lazarus. Anyway. So. Continue. Yes. So I, um, I, I, looked, I looked it up. I'm reading and... Eleven, eleven, John eleven, eleven is essentially about waking up, like wake up. And for me, like when I read this, it was clear. Should we read it? For sure, you want to get the Bible out? No, I've I've got it here. <clears throat> I mean, Bible's in the title of the podcast. Yeah, I know. We should use it. I do have here? a. a a snippet from the book of knowledge on uh, 11.11. Sure, go for it. What about 7.11? What about that one? <laughs> well, it's less than 11.11. In numerology, some New Age believers often link 11.11 to chance or coincidence. It is an example of synchronicity. For instance, those who are seeing 11.11 o'clock on a clock often claim it as an auspicious sign or signaling of a spirit presence. It's numerology. It's of the devil. Continue, Jeff. 
Okay. <laughs> so John eleven eleven. After he okay, maybe I should give a little, you know, for those of you who uh, don't read the Bible. Uh Johnny. Normally that's 11. you. Okay. The death so I'm gonna I'm gonna read up and through uh John eleven eleven. So the death of Lazar Lazarus. <laughs> Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus, lay sick. I keep lisping. <laughs> was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters went, sorry, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Oh my gosh. Jesus answered. My gosh, my app just froze. Jesus answered, Are you oh my goodness, you gotta be kidding me. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for by this you guys. You shouldn't have been using Gary's Bible app. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. It's it's a sign. It's a sign. Maybe maybe it is. I'm surprised. They, oh, that even, sorry. Okay. Jesus answered, "Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see how rad would have been if it was eleven, 11 hours of daylight by this world's light." Eleven ten. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Eleven eleven. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Oh, Jeff. Yeah. You're getting woken up, aren't you? And in that moment, I realized for the last six years, I have been asleep at the spiritual wheel, so to speak. And... I was in church, uh, a little emotional and, um, really feeling convicted. Like I have been searching for an answer and nothing has Mm. ever been there. And then I read this and I am like, it's as if God's been knocking again in my life. And I just have put other things in place to constantly be focused elsewhere as opposed to on God and on the, the, like a life to be lived and, you know, really felt a little bit of regret, shame, uh, guilt that I've allowed, you know, I've allowed myself to kind of been taken out a little bit Mm. and, and that, you know, that hurt because I'm like, I've done this to myself. I've done this to my family, my friends, and I've, I haven't betrayed God. I, but I feel like, ah, that was six years that I've totally wasted. Um, not totally wasted, but hopefully you guys 
get the idea. How, am I, how are we supposed to, having been around for those six years, how am I supposed to, let me make this about me right now. How am I supposed to take that? You wasted it. <laughs> I, yes. I'm so sorry. I was a terrible friend, you guys. Yeah, that's right. A terrible friend. You, I'm reading it the other way. That's right. When, that's like, when we met. That way, yeah. <laughs> Right Ever about? since I met Zach, <laughs> so it, I'm kidding. So it, it could even be, it could even be uh, Andy coming into the podcast and me feeling less than because I'm like, man, he's just kind of stepped in. He's he's a really good leader, and I, this man, he makes the show better. He's so tall, nice. I'm and my focus was good not. My focus was really. It was always geared towards man. You're. So good at this. You are so good at this. <laughs> I'm you speaking are of you, <laughs> but I'm speaking of you in that from my lens, I had just kind of put down and dampened or darkened things to kind of look at things in a different way or, or just it muddled. And my whole view uh, has been muddled and it hasn't been as if a runner like a sprinter is running at like 80 percent mm. they know i mean they could see the the clock when they finish you know 100 meter dash but they know i'm not running at full speed and that i did not like and mm. i'm a i'm like i feel like there's been some closure here um but it kind of drove me to listen to uh, uh, focus on the family, which if I go back, you know, 10, 12, 13 years or whatever, um, I'm like, I need to, <laughs> God say mm. That was kind of your, for the listener, yes. that was kind of your springboard yes. way back in the day. And so I, I yeah. went, so I went back and I, I immediately found, um, was it just a springy? Yeah, it was a springy. I immediately found a, a show that they had that I clicked on. It said, who is the author of your faith? And, and so I have some clips, um, Jim Caviezel and it's, they had, this was a, from a couple of years ago is, uh, Andy Stanley is a pastor at North point church. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure where North point is, but I know Andy Stanley's it's a big church, big yeah. leader. Yeah. I mean, big guy, not big guy. You know what I mean? But he wrote a book. Not big guy. (laughs) Say that fast three times. But he wrote a book a couple of years ago called Who is the Author of Your Faith? And, uh, you know, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to get that, get this started. And this is kind of an icebreaker to to get going here. And look, I want to try to help unravel uh, the mystery of this thing that all of us experience, and you may experience this as a Christian, or you may be from another religious background, but this whole thing of you have belief in God and you have faith in God, and in your mind or in your way of thinking, there are some cause and effect relationships between what you do and what God should do. Um, if you grew up in a Christian home, you were taught, you know, you ask God and God answers prayers and you try to get him to say yes. And maybe you were taught if you have enough faith, you can get God to say yes. And if you watch too much television preaching, um, you'll be convinced that if you just have like a whole bunch of faith and if you can kind of squint your eyes and kind of, you know, kind of do the thing going on there, that that's sort of like a lot of faith. And if you get a lot of faith, you'll get God to do stuff. And then you hear people tell these amazing stories of, you know, I lost my job on Monday, but then I fasted and prayed on Tuesday and on Wednesday, um, the guy came and gave me the whole company, you know, it's like, wow, you know, love it. Or, you know, it any, uh, if you guys ever, 
had that or you know of people who have spoken like that, prayed, and they're like, it came true? Uh, yes. Or they spin it. I, I can't think of any specific examples to me, but I know I've heard those examples like in church or on on podcasts. And my instant thought is like, there's there's always more to the story. Anybody that's had the crazy coincidences or the answers to prayer, there's there's always. Oh, maybe I shouldn't say always. I'm walking that back. I feel like most of the time there's more to the story that provides a little color to the situation. That uh, in my head it takes a little bit of the mis- the magic out of it, and maybe that's because I'm a, curm- a spiritual curmudgeon. Right, and he even went on to talk about, and then you go back and talk to somebody like that, and it didn't quite work out all that well. You know, it seemed like everything was going to be perfect. You see that from the outside, and then when you go actually have a conversation a couple weeks later, like uh, it went to a crapper. Turns out this company was just full of debt. He <laughs> <laughs> gave me a bankruptcy. It's yours. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I don't. Uh, gosh, man, there. It's hard for me to put prayer in this like very one-way transactional sort of um, action or behavior or circumstance. It's not like it's not like I can take take my prayer, lob it over the fence, and sit and wait and be like, okay, I'm I like waiting. It. I like that prayer is like a hand grenade yeah. in this example. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the pin, God. Well, that I mean, there's truth to that because, I mean, how often, and I mean, I've been at, I've been guilty of this, and I know plenty of people who do this where they, they pray, they pray on Sunday, and then they're hoping for that answer on Monday. It's sure. like, and then it, you know, it doesn't happen or it's like well, throwing I, the prayer grenade. Yeah. I, I feel like we have, we have involvement in this. Like prayer, prayer is not simply the, oh, like our action. It, yeah. It's not the end. Of, it's not the end of the conversation with God. It's uh, God, I'm asking for this thing and, I, and I'm participating in this with you as well. Like I have a role to play in making these things happen as well. And, and, and I'm asking you to be involved in it. I'm asking you to engage. And, you know, there are times where it's out, feels like it's out of our hands, but to your point where maybe what you're alluding to, like, it's more complicated than that. If you, there's a lot of context, there's a lot of other things that went into those situation that you're, that you may step back and go, well, it's just happen chance, happenstance. He gave me the, the, uh, right, right. The company was Luck. like, well, yeah, but you also had a 20 year record of doing a great job and you know, whatever. Yeah, true. I'm making it's things kind of like, my it's people. not like you won the lottery. That's what we all do, Andy. We make things. Those people fun. all crash and burn. <laughs> Every uh, single one. Well, it's like gambling. It's like gambling. Um, the friend that crushes it at the slots one time, it's, you'll hear that story nonstop or he meets new people. That story's coming out. And if he's an avid gambler, he's not repeating the stories of just years mm. of losing, 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 yeah. losing, losing. And I think we can do that as uh, people of faith. Like if you're, if you're somebody who believes and believes in the power of prayer, you know, those, those little moments where you feel like God really came through for you can just be life giving. And I don't want to take that away. I've had little tastes of that myself. Yeah. Um, but as somebody who's experienced the worst tragedy as a parent um, and, and prayed through throughout all of that, like if you're praying and you're paying attention and you're keeping score, it's just like 
it appears that life doesn't work like God doesn't come through right. like the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the vending machine, like you ask for it and you get it. Right. Santa you know, Claus. We get little tastes of it. Yeah, Santa Claus. Well, I like where you're going and I'm going to play this next clip because this is kind of moves into um, the the idea of losing our, our losing faith and our faith is crashing. Like when we've, when we've kind of uh, relied on certain things and they fall apart. What was the view who have... Sorry, what's that? What was the... Um, title of the message or who is the author of your faith? Oh, that's right. You said that. Sorry. Alpha lost faith or who have abandoned your faith because a discussion about losing faith or abandoning our faith is really the discussion that helps us understand how important it is and why it's important to have the right thing to lean our faith against to begin with. Because if you're a person who has lost faith or has abandoned your faith, or maybe you're here listening to this message because you're in the process of losing it and you feel like the world's, your world's kind of coming apart and you don't know what to say, you don't know how to pray, you don't know what you can expect from God, you're not even sure there is a God, then what's happened is whatever you had been leaning your faith against, it has moved. And so consequently, when the foundation or the thing you lean your faith against moves, then your faith begins to crash. And perhaps your faith has crashed or perhaps your faith is crack. Perhaps your faith is crack. <laughs> <laughs> or crashing. <laughs> that is like, this, they had Andy Stanley, they played this on Focus on the Family? Yes. Alpharetta, Georgia. That's where he's from, by the way. Alpharetta? Alpharetta. 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 Is that one word? Yeah. It's not like the top retta. Yeah. It's the alpha. <laughs> Get out of my way, bitch. I'm the... Uh, I'm, I'm not the... talking to any of those beta rettas. Well, so so, th- so he gets into, like, how, how... Like, what are we... What are we... What's holding up our, our faith? And I guess I have a question for you guys. Is there... Is there something that you would say holds up your faith? Is it literally the, I believe in Jesus? Or is it... I believe in Jesus and is there anything like a moment or, you know, an upbringing? Is there something that you're like, well, that's why I have faith. You got something? Yeah. Go for it? Well, it's the first thing that I'm just connecting it to the, his earlier, the earlier point that you're making about um, how we engage in prayer and what our expectations are for prayer. And, and if your faith is, if a cornerstone of your faith is based on prayer, then, then what does that do to your faith when your prayers go unanswered? Right. Which is kind of the point he's making in the second half, right? Is like, Hey, I, I, I established my faith or it was leaning on this thing. And then that thing moved. And now my faith metaphorically fell down. Um, and so, uh, expectations there. They're a na- they can be a nasty, a nasty thing to hold on to. Well, and although it's a good thing and a bad thing, and it's hard because if we if we are attributing, it's hard. It's hard to know. Thanks, Jordan. If you're if we're attributing attributing the answered prayers to God, then we have to attribute the unanswered prayers to God. That was like the Super Bowl. Like I just want to thank. Jesus, and then how about the losers? Is he thanking Jesus across. They the weren't field? Christian enough, Jeff. It's obvious. <laughs> I know, they I didn't like pray I, hard enough. Yeah, I feel like that. that I remember in the eighties, there was a stand-up comedian that had a joke like that. He's like, 
Yeah, you never hear from the uh, losing team on that. Like, oh, we were doing great there until Jesus made me fumble. <laughs> yeah, God hates our team. Okay, I'm going to keep, I feel a flow here. Uh, I mean, hold on. At, at our faith, oftentimes, it's not only lifestyle decisions, but unexplainable circumstances. That's the second thing I mentioned. By that, I mean this. You were raised to believe that God would never, and then it seemed like God did anyway. You were raised to believe that God will always, but then it seems that God didn't. You were raised to believe that if you do A, B, and C, you can expect God and trust God to do D, E, and F. And so you have done A, B, and C consistently, and God hasn't done D, E, or F. And all of a sudden, there is a life circumstance that doesn't line up with your thinking about God, and your faith is shattered. This happens all the time. And you look around for a job, and God hasn't answered your prayer, and you fasted and prayed, and you've done all the things people have told you to do. Some of you are back in church trying to get in good with God because you're not sure how God works, but you're thinking church is a part of it, and you don't even like church, and you're having a hard time even paying attention right now, but you're hoping God sees you in here, and God's going, oh, look, 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 she's in church. Okay, put a check. She's got three checks and four X's, but maybe you know, but you're thinking that somehow you've got to kind of win God's favor and get on God's good side and you don't know how that works and you've begun to lose faith because God isn't acting the way you think God ought to act. And So that was kind of what we were talking about. So I didn't, I kind of was feeling the flow. Is I got it? I got it. Uh, yeah. Going back to what Andy said about if, if you're, if you're basing like God's yeses to your prayers, then you also got to consider like, I definitionally God's doing no's too. And ultimately God does more no's than yeses because everybody gets sick and dies eventually. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that, that, that is a whole can of worms. If you want to follow that logical rabbit trail. And that's why that's, we just had a great uh, guys weekend away. And one of our friends is solid in the reform tradition Super solid. Calvinist, which there's an appeal to that. I, I totally get it where God has a plan and he has ordained everything and you trust in that plan. Uh, there, there is an appeal to that, but you know, more Christians lie in the, there's a lot more gray tension and we don't want to think about the no answers to prayer. We just rest in the yeses and that could be good enough for some people. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's <clears throat> the hard thing for me about taking a view where uh, something doesn't go my way or the way I thought things should go. Therefore, uh, I don't believe in God or God doesn't exist or my faith is somehow shattered or lost. That feels really brittle to me. Right. Yeah. It feels like a brittle way to live. And, and it also... You know, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shit on any people who've had tragedies in their lives. We've all, every one of us as humans have experienced some level of tragedy in our life. And to your, to use your phrase, Zach, it's not the grief Olympics. It's not a matter of comparing right. one another's tragedies. I probably stole that from somebody. It's good. Just own it. TM it. It's fine. But I think <clears throat> I just made an NFT right now of that. Oh, good. How can we afford not to? You can bid on it right now. There's <laughs> go to openc.io. Dot bullshit. <laughs> There's 666 available, and after that, they're going to be sold out. Uh, but the point I guess I was trying to make was it, it, whether it be Reformed theology, which which does feel like it's 
working very hard to find meaning in everything and that God is ultimately uh, is a God who's in control versus a God who's in charge. And mm-hmm. that sounds a little like a little bit of like a cliche, but by that, I mean, control going to make it happen in charge. Like I'm overseeing this. You have some free will here. I want to pick yeah. nits with that, but for the purposes of this conversation, I I'm generally on board with that statement. You can nitpick it. It's okay. I don't mind. No, Are I, we recording this? Let's pick it. No, I mind. Let's, what are you playing, Scott? Go ahead. You got more clips. Click I the, do. I, I, I like to clarify. I'm going to clarify. Well, let me go because this really is focused on circumstantial faith. Okay. That's like family. family yeah. that's, that's what he calls cir- circumstantial. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm just pushing play. Then. Okay. <laughs> We're going to call that circumstantial faith. So Not the rest. Circumstantial faith is this. I'm trusting God and I'm believing in God based on my ability to find God in my circumstances. That's why I said. when you were 12 years old, exactly. living at home in whatever town that was, and mom and dad said, you know, this is how you're supposed to behave in a relationship with a young man or a young woman, you believed that and it worked for you and you held on to that. Then when you moved to the big city and that didn't seem to be so practical anymore and nobody else was behaving that way, you abandoned that based on what? Your circumstances, it was circumstantial faith. You always thought that God would protect you if you did certain things. It seems like God's not protecting you. You look around your circumstances, you don't feel protected and you're not sure you believe in God anymore. Why? You have circumstantial faith. And to some extent, all of us have an element of circumstantial faith. That is, our beliefs about God and our faith in God, whether weak or strong, is impacted by what we see by what we experience, what the people around us do. The problem is circumstantial faith is always very, very fragile because I don't know if you have recognized this or not, life is not consistent. There is a randomness to life. Seemingly, there is a randomness to God. There is a Mm. randomness to the events of life. And every time you think you have figured out the formula, you know, two prayers, read my Bible and go to church. Two prayers, I got the formula. You know, I've got got it worked out. You know, every time we think we've got it figured out, something doesn't work out and we look around our circumstances and say, what's wrong with God or what's wrong with me? That's called circumstantial faith. Dude, does that settle your heart or does it give you anxiety? It settles it. Why? Well, one, because when I stopped this, it was at 11.11. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but I... I do you have... Do we, when do we start talking about confirmation bias? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone drives a yellow Camaro too. What is what? going on? Got so many friends on the road. Oh man! So sorry. Finish your thought, though. Does that does yeah. that does that give you comfort or does it give you anxiety? Well, it gives me comfort. And why? Um, well, because there's always. I mean, the randomness of life is always going to be hitting you from every direction, and Christ is the one who 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 lived on this earth and you can look at and the stories and what he has said and the life lived and dying on the cross and just as a perfect human being. And if, if you can focus on that and keep your eyes on being more like Jesus every day. And, and as you go through circumstances, if you go through situations, challenges in life, if you can somehow bring yourself back to that 
every time is freaking terrible as life might get or challenging or frustrating. If you can bring yourself back to that, if it's daily, that'd be, I would, Hmm. I feel like I would be in heaven if I could, if I could be doing that again, because literally I was there and I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm getting that back Hmm. today. And that's a good point that you raise though, because Jesus was perfect and his life that's recorded in the Bible is full of him engaging in lots of highly imperfect circumstances and scenarios where stuff is going sideways. Mm -hmm. Right. And we can look at that and go, Jesus existed in a highly imperfect world. Why should we think that we're immune to that? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no, no question about it that we're going to have. Yeah. And functioning in that, if we know this is, this is perfection, we're never going to get there. But if we know, like, just keep, keep focusing on that. There is something great to be gotten. If you, the more you can focus on, I'll tell you today, all I did was listen to Andy Stanley here and there Mm -hmm. at lunchtime. My day was the best day I've had in a long, long time because I realized my focus was on Jesus. Mm. It wasn't on it wasn't on stupid things that don't matter at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I'm reminded of of Paul. The Jesus example is maybe the ultimate one. He went to his death after asking, "Please, maybe you could uh, take this away from me. Maybe <laughs> this doesn't have to happen." Um. And then God abandoned him like a, like a <laughs> jerk. Gosh, God. Sorry, spoiler alert, guys. Hold on, I got to back my seat up away from <laughs> Zach a little bit because I don't want to get hit by the uh, lightning body bolt. exploding <laughs> when the lightning strikes. It reminds me of a segment that used to be on a podcast. The the We had one of the guys from Drunk Ex-Pastors on way back in our podcast day. And they used to have a segment called Dick Move God. Where they and it would it would take an actual Bible story where like God totally did something that was like I appreciate that it tells me a lot about them yes Um, but Paul in uh, Philippians it's the bumper sticker verse that people use to like pump their kids up that you can go play soccer and do good and maybe score a goal but uh, um. I can score all goals through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> That's right. But Paul in Philippians uh, 4.10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Uh, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, in whatever state I am, mm-hmm. to be content. I know how to be uh, abased. Sorry, this is the New King James. It's what came up on Google. And I know how to abound Everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's almost like a, the foundation for him is like, no matter what shit life throws at me, you know, I can get through it or not. Even death, like he died, he was persecuted, you know, it's, uh, it's non-circumstantial faith is what he's describing there. Yes. Yeah. And, um, which can be one of the, the biggest, like easier said than done's. Yeah. Um, so, and, and it's like, uh, that's fine. I lost so, it. I lost so back it. in, uh, 
most of this message that he gave was from Hebrews uh, chapter four through fourteen. It was. Um, do we know that who wrote Hebrews? Did I think yes, it's no? multiple authors? Okay, actually. yeah. Well, we used to pretend it was Paul. So writing to the the Christian Jews, the Jewish Christians, um, you know, they had sold. They had sold everything they had. The promise was Jesus was coming right back, but they thought coming right back was like in a minute. Yeah. And now they had these these circumstances, these expectations, as you mentioned earlier, Andy, but they had these expectations. They're like, what? Yeah. You know, this, we, we thought this was going to happen now. And, and it didn't. And there's this letter, um, or in Hebrews of, you, you've got to stand firm, like keep faith. Like your circumstances are not, your circumstances and whatever's going on in life has nothing to do with your faith. It's challenging your faith. So stay, hold firm in your faith. And, and you know, jo- uh, he also references Joseph. Like Joseph went like 15 years, kept just yeah. going. I mean, the story's been written. I mean, it's a long, long story. As uh, I think Andy Stanley said, is maybe the longest story about one individual and um, and Joseph is constantly challenged. Circumstances are, are horrible. And yet he just is faithful because he's like, like Jesus is the one and you know, it's my faith and I, I stand strong in that faith and I hold firm. Mm-hmm. So there were, there's where, you know, people I think, get broken mm. in our world when circumstances hit them and they're like, well, didn't work this time. So God's done. And a lot of times I, I can't, I can't blame people like that. Paul, or um, I don't know if you're talking about Paul, but I was, I was thinking about Paul being like, they thought Jesus was coming back. Paul. Yes. He told people don't get married. You know, whatever you're doing, just, just maintain Jesus coming back. And I love pointing this out around people like Scott, Paul was wrong. (laughs) Paul was wrong about Jesus coming back. Um, which ties into my earlier faith was in a particular view of scripture. And if I was hit with that reality at a certain time in my life, it would have been baby Jesus out with the bath water Mm -hmm. because it was, it was based in a view of like the Bible had to be perfect in every way. And now it's like, it's almost refreshing. It's like Paul was a, freaking human being, you know, Paul, and it even shows up in his writings. Uh, and you don't have to, that, that doesn't mean the Bible isn't right. Isn't inspired by God. Like it just means the definitions change and your idea of it might change and that's okay. You can roll with it. I'm going to, uh, Andy, you good? I'm going to roll here. Yeah, you can keep going. To people, I'm not saying that at all, but the problem is, when you, when you are sure God has spoken to you and then God doesn't do what you think God's promised to do, the tendency is to go, well, I don't know if I can trust God anymore. Well, maybe, maybe you misunderstood God. I mean, Sandra misunderstands me sometimes. I misunderstand her. I misunderstand my kids, they misunderstand me. If we kind of have that thing going on between human beings that we can see and get clarification, is it possible that maybe we misunderstand God? I think the answer is absolutely yes, but... If your faith is leaning upon your ability to always hear from God and always get it right the first time, that's fragile faith. 
That circumstantial faith. That is, I'm trusting God because I'm trusting him in the sphere of my environment and my experience alone. For many of us, it's true that God will oftentimes use an event or a set of circumstances to launch our faith. Now, this sounds like I'm contradicting myself, so follow me carefully. You're going along, life's great, you're not really interested in God, you know, it's fine if there's a God, you don't care, you're busy, you're making a living, you know, trying to get life going, get your kids through school, whatever. By the way, when I heard this, I'm like, oh Did you feel convicted? My gosh, this is me back 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, and if you were in the if you were in the audience, and a, a good teacher and speaker will just kind of go throughout the crowd and make eye contact with individuals. <laughs> if he, he if he hits you at that moment, like boom, that's a that's a right. god thing in your mind. Boom, explosion. He sees your lips start trembling. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and then somebody invited you to, to church, and you're just sort of like whatever, you know. They promised me lunch, and you show up. And the music starts, and then there's a, a message, and all of a sudden, you're kind of overwhelmed with this emotion, and you look back at that moment, and you would say, you know what? I just feel like God met me there. We hear those stories all the time at baptism, or maybe you're going through a real tough time, and one night you turned off the lights and got on your knees beside your bed, and you don't know that you've ever done that, or you don't remember when the last time you did that was. And you started calling out to God out loud, saying, God, I don't know if you're there, but if you're there, I need you. And in that moment, something happened. And you look back to that moment and you say, wow, that's when it started for me. That's when God became real. That event launched my faith. That event, that God moment was like the catalyst to my faith. Or maybe it was an answer to prayer. Here's my point. God often uses moments to launch faith. But those moments were never designed to be the foundation of our faith. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. I, I literally, I think I told my story when I came to Christ over and over and over. And I look back a little bit in that the story I was telling, I was propping up my faith as mm. well on that story. But as Andy's mentioning here, we have these stories and maybe God uses them to launch faith. They did mine. I mean, I, I was all in and it transformed me. Um, but holding on to those stories, it's almost like uh, a high school football quarterback champion telling the story of, you know, back when glory days, and it's like, dude, what happened to you though? Yeah. And as I look, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Even as I'm speaking now, I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to be like, Oh, he had that. Remember that, you know, that guy. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah I don't know what happened to him. He just kind of disappeared. Checked out. Yeah. That's a perfect analogy to, it really is because it is, it's a, it's like a level of frozen maturity in some ways that we, we just hang on to. Like if, if you're someone who keeps telling, only telling stories of the past and hasn't grown past that point, I'm not suggesting that you've, you've done this, but there, this happens to lots of people. And, and you've, you've only relied on the past and this moment in, in time and you haven't grown beyond that. It's like you're, uh, you're stunting. Your growth is stunted in some ways. And, and it's an interesting thing. I think there are a lot of churches who lean heavy into people's um, conversion testimonies mm -hmm. and they don't lean into. And so what has happened in the 10 years since you became a Christian? Like that story is good. Right. 
it, like to your point, it launched you. But then where did the rocket go? And literally, as, I'm, as you're talking, I'm going, I have another, I have another God story. And it's, a, I mean, it's just yeah. how, how I checked, how I allowed myself to check out and, and took my eye off the ball and, and was relying my faith on some old story, <laughs> some old story. Mm. I mean, the truth is it's, it's an old story. I mean, it's a story to be told, but it's not a story to just stand by and go, well, that's my life. And then, you know, what else? It's one small part of your story. Absolutely. And we all have these chapters in our life. It's like, are the chapters just writing them themselves in yeah. the world you live in? Or you literally, are you going after the heart of Jesus and, and there's actual impact happening exponentially as you go through life in such a good way. And your, your hurdle is to get out of chapter 11. Right now you're in yeah, chapter no, 11. No, you're right. You're absolutely right, Zach. Out of chapter 11. I just turned the page. Okay. Wow, that was easy. Chapter, my work is done. Chapter 12. <laughs> I mean, isn't that, that was easy. I pushed the button. It does make me wonder, though, because if we think about it, it feels like we all intuitively recognize the idea of of maturing in your faith and that that, that is a thing and that if your conversion is, uh, well, being born again, uh, and it is the the starting point of your faith, then theoretically you start you, you grow from that point. And it's interesting to think about how. So what are what are the measurements? What are the like signs? How do we look at ourselves or at others and go? We see we see that you've matured beyond day one of becoming a Christian and believing in in Jesus. What are the signs? That's a good. Well, I could go a lot of different directions. I knew, so I knew, I, I probably knew subconsciously that something I, I just, I had put other things in the way that just was noise. So the signs, I literally, if I had ever taken a moment, actually, I have six years later. I told my wife this. She's like, "You wasted six years. Wait, we've been husband and wife. Why would I know this?" I'm like, "It, it, it was. It's so subtle that it just went by." And I allowed it. I wouldn't even say, wa- I think I get what you mean by waste. And that could be helpful um, short term to, to like convict yourself and to kickstart yourself into another. Uh, I just snapped in case people didn't hear that on the microphone <laughs> to emphasize my point. Kick Kickstart yourself into the next chapter as it were. But, you know, nothing, nothing is lost. Like everything belongs. Like you, you don't get to where you are now without, going through the steps you're, you're taking. And now you've learned a new thing and hopefully it's going to open your mind to be like, to be more aware. I just talked like a teenager for a second to be like more aware, um, to be aware of the, the mistake of being complacent and like, Oh, I have this story. This is my, that's it. I'm finished. Um, and I get to tell this story over and over again. And now you get to look at that and be like, okay, don't, uh, don't do that again. Be be more open to growing and pushing and progressing as a believer and a husband, a friend. I like that- those things, but what what do they look like? That's that's my point. Like, how do we how do we look at that objectively? And me- and how do we know? Are you, it feels are very you, very okay. hand wavy. Zach, out of the last six, let's just take the six years I'm talking about. Over the last six years, 
how have you, can you look back and go, I've grown in this way spiritually? Yeah, good question. I I can. And uh, I was just going to mention from my from my point of view, it's it's almost counterintuitive, intuitive in a lot of respects, like all, the things that held my faith together in the past, I don't hold to anymore. And I've stripped a lot of things down. Like I don't, I don't care about needing to affirm or understand the Trinity. I don't, you know, the, the virgin birth is not a thing I need to defend. Um, and for some people that's really important. If, if the virgin birth didn't happen, like I said in the Bible, then you can't trust the Bible. And that was me, you know, a few years ago. Um, I'm not saying those aren't important topics. I'm reading a book right now on the virgin birth. Um, I really enjoy trying to acquire knowledge and and understand different perspectives on things. So that's that's all good. But for my faith, in in some respects, I would look at it from back then, like, oh, you're hanging from a thread, and I would be correct back then about now. But in in a lot of ways, I've stripped away a lot of the bullshit. Sorry, that's not the right word, but a lot of the things that were distracting me and getting in the way because I needed to mm. prove everything. And now it's it's the ethic of believing that God is love. And this is where it gets a little woo-woo. And, and uh, I understand how it can feel a little ethereal and intangible. But I, I'm reasonably confident in a way I'm not confident about other aspects of my faith that if I can teach my kids to love in a self-sacrificial way and, and to, to spread that outwards like that, that's where my, I know that makes the world a better place at the very least. Mm. And maybe it it even leads to salvation. And so, and that's what I believe God is. So, um, and that's what I believe Jesus ultimate example of going to the cross, even though according to the text, like I, if my kingdom was of this world, I could like, I could flamethrower the shit out of the mm-hmm. Roman empire mm-hmm. and be done with this, but that's not way, the way my kingdom operates. So it's salvation, <laughs> salvation though. That's so, the bottom line. Is he quoting salvation. Elon Musk? Yeah. And salvation being, you know, different than just like, I think it's bigger and different than going to heaven and avoiding hell. Like, I, I don't think that should be the motive of, that's not love. If you're motivated by avoiding hell and going to heaven, that's, that's fear. And that's not mm-hmm. perfect love. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can take that to the biblical bank. <laughs> does that make any sense? It does it make does. sense. So I've stripped away a lot of things. Like I've almost gone what might look like the other direction mm-hmm. than most people. But I yeah. feel, I'm confident that right now that's a progression. It's not where I need to be. Um, I, and I always want to kind of be open to where I might be missing some things. So who knows? Maybe I'll end up like Scott again. So you're, so you're, uh, we'll call it maturity in faith has been it's generous understanding other perspectives, others perspectives, and also realizing that you had certain characteristics of what faith is that maybe was dealt to you as a, a growing up as a child. And you have unplugged all those and created a little bit of an open slate to push other things in. And though one of those things might be others' perspectives on faith and God. That's part of it. And there's a kind of an open 
there's an openness, an invitation to anyone. Trying to be curious. Yes. But it's not like before, it's like, oh, that's a cool idea. I resonate with that. And then I would like, oh, this is the way. This is the way mm-hmm. now. And right. now it's it's like, um, no, I can I can take it for what it is and maybe think of, upon whatever idea it is. I don't need to follow all the rabbit trails as if it's the new gospel. Um, but I, what I know is that self-sacrificial love is what will get us out of this Ukraine-Russia con- conflict, which is really def- difficult on the empire level. Um, but individually, that's that's what changes the world, and that's what I believe Christ is. So whether I can, like, with full internal confidence, declare that, yes, there is a second coming of Christ, or yes, the, there is a virgin birth, or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that stuff needs to be held very loosely um, because those opinions can change. Um, but I, I'm really confident about the the ethic of love. And I, I think, um, I believe that, um, well, it's enough for me now. Maybe it won't be enough for me later, but that's, that's the whole thing with this conversation is n- not settling on this is me now mm-hmm. and that's me forever. Yeah. Andy, anything? Yeah, I do have things. Uh, I think one sign for me, the, the, probably the biggest thing I would describe is just being not even okay with it. Like it fully embracing, uh, areas of mystery, things that I, that I can't understand, can't unpack and being actually taking comfort in, in that, not even just like resolving myself that, Oh, well, I don't understand it and feeling unsatisfied. It's actually deeper satisfaction for me, which seems counterintuitive, but it is the, if I, if I turn that on its head, it's if I can completely define and construct all of who God is and what he's done and what he will do, then, um, then I should be really worried that, that God is so small and, uh, simple. And I I don't know if that's a God worth worshiping, uh, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, that has been a, I think a good maturing moment for me, because like when we're younger, we're trying to understand things and we find, I think we find comfort in, in having things solved. And that's probably a personality type too. Yeah. And so like I've, I've oh, wrapped it up. We're good. Yeah. We no, move I, got, on. I got it. There's no questions. There's no, there's no gray area. There's no questions. I can completely. Well, God. Yeah. Like you're a technical guy. Like if uh, real quick, like it, I think it's a big sign of maturity because you're you're somebody that obviously likes to know how things work with music like there's a thing there's a way things work there's an art to to doing music but producing music there's a way things work yeah and and there's there's no like gray area on or wiggle room on like plugging in cables or and adjusting levels and all that stuff it's detailed and so to be able to say like lean into the mystery that's a difficult thing and uh, kudos to you. I, and I know how that's how Scott works too. Scott's really like I'm gonna I'm gonna know things and I I can figure it out and I can know the answer and then I don't have to worry about what's not the answer or I know that that's these other things aren't the answer. And so um, yeah, and he's matured in that too. And and I don't and I'm not implying that there are no absolute truths. Like I think that there are absolute truths. I just think that there's fewer that we can know absolutely than we think. 
Yeah, we yeah. probably know one one millionth of all of the absolute truths from God. Who knows? It, it, Take your one millionth and I'll raise It's hard to know. <laughs> it's impossible. You can't even know it. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm moving on. About, unlike many about. other, or really all other world religions, the foundation of Christianity is not an experience. The foundation of Christianity is not my ability to make the world make sense. The foundation of Christianity is not an event with God. It's not an answered prayer. It's none of those things that are oftentimes the catalyst of our faith. The foundation, the thing that we lean Christianity on, the thing that we lean on as Christians is so different than any other thing. It's the thing that makes Christianity stand out and it's the reason I believe that some of you are coming back to church because you've spent a season of your life trying to prop your belief system up and prop your worldview up on something that worked for a while, but you're smart enough to know that you keep adapting your belief system to follow your behavior and adapting your belief system to follow your behavior. And at some point in life, you look up at the sky and you realize, I don't believe anything. I believe in me and I'm not enough. And maybe you're back because you're hoping there's more to life than that. And here's some great news. There is. There is. What was he going to say? Was, yeah. What was he going to finish? There, like, I don't, is, you didn't there finish. is. It's Jesus Christ. There is not an answer to any of this. Case closed. <laughs> That's what he was going to say. What if he was going to say that? So, Jeff, you've always leaned into being the experience guy, and that is that is shaped that has shaped and formed your faith. Right. And Andy Stanley is telling you that you're wrong. How do you take that? Well... To clarify, in from my perspective, <laughs> you, like how, you like how aggressive I'm being. <laughs> right. You're wrong. He just told you you're wrong. I'm in the matrix. She's getting shot by. Why don't you, you just know. go tweet at him right now? Uh, <laughs> plenty of people do. Trust me. Easy. I can only focus on one thing. So now I'm lost. No. So did you? Uh, I'll rephrase it then. You have always been someone who's experience taken pride in that your faith is driven by your experience, and that is the. Andy Stanley just said the opposite. Your Christianity is not based on experience. Right. Propping up. Are you a Christian anymore? (laughs) (laughs) I am. And the idea of experience being faith, I think is a part of my faith. I, I would not have experienced if I was not listening, praying, trying to live a life like Christ, I would never have experienced anything that I've experienced. Definitely not through the lens of Jesus and definitely not with the Holy Spirit. So I can, I could say I, I have faith because I know it's been done mm. and, and that will never ever be shaken at all. My experiences you know, I can, the problem is what Andy Stanley really expounds on is that you have experiences that you were relying on your experience yeah. to actually go in a certain direction. And when it didn't, things fell apart. So God forbid you put everything on your experiences yeah. or it will fall flat. Yeah, totally. So that's my answer to uh, it your can, challenge. It can, it often does. If you're paying attention, I do know, uh, of I know some people and of more that to where we're as as human beings 
biases can be very strong and there's a bias that prevents you from seeing anything counter to what you believe is true. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you could ride that experience wave. And as long as you don't think much deeper than that, you can just block out all the stuff that counteracts that. But if you start paying attention, uh, you better, you better have more than just uh, a particular experience. Yeah. In a weird way, it's like, uh, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. Um, it's I only have one more clip. If there's a scale on one side that's all experience, I'm using my hands like Matt Chandler right now, really big and wide. One side is all experience. One side is all like knowledge or or just analytics. Academic. Academic. You, those people need each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing about this podcast. Uh, I'm a mixed bag when it comes to those things. Um, I, I vacillate. Uh, I'm leaning more... In, into, well, actually, no, I, w- I didn't want to finish that sentence. But Jeff, you you were more closer to all experience. Scott, and I don't think this is not a dig. He wouldn't argue. I don't think he would argue it. He's more on the academic. He doesn't he doesn't have all those experiences, but he I think he wants them, and I identify with that too. And so he's leaning hard into like the the study and the analytics and academics. Mm-hmm. I do and feel like it's a triangle, though. A little bit. Sorry to cut you off. There. No, that's I think, fine. I think that there's like a there is a spiritual contemplative uh node in this in this graph as well and maybe you're you're finding you're, you're plotting yourself somewhere within the triangle yeah it's like the or the is it the quad the wesleyan quadrilateral oh, that's right that's what we did it's like the scripture experience tradition and reason i think i might mm. be getting those wrong but that's yeah. a general thing and so it's like you're holding all these things in a little bit of of tension and part of wisdom is just learning how to navigate that mm-hmm. and, or, and not be, not killing yourself when, uh, not literally, figuratively, not literally, not, 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 not literally. Don't kill yourself actually, but, um, not beating yourself up or not a farts and prayers. <laughs> farts and prayers. <laughs> uh, people need to look up Kyle Donegan doing Jaraco Biden. Yeah. I, 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 I <laughs> it's contagious. Maturity feels like it, it it shows up in that we're finding balance between all of those areas and we don't lean heavy into only one area. Like we may have, that may have been our launching pad and experience may have been our launching pad, but, Mm -hmm. but as we grow, we grow into those other areas, whether it be academic, whether it be slash reason, whether it be tradition, whether it be spirituality, like we get, we get to become more holistic, more well-rounded in understanding like, so God is complicated and God isn't like single faceted. He's multifaceted and it should show or up she. in our faith. Ignore that. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. Stop telling lies. I actually, I was loving what you're saying, but I'm just, Tell me I'm just trying to. No, you didn't. Okay, I'm going, there you go. I'm going to the last, last uh, clip. Okay. Now have this high priest who in the past, Jay a Swallow? few years ago, from their perspective, a few years ago, showed up on the earth, a good walked song. around, performed miracles, um, claimed to be the son of God, validated that through his life and miracles, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead and went to be with the father. He says, since, you know, we right now have a high priest who did all of that, Jesus, the son of God, and then listen to what he says next. Let us hold firmly, as in right now, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And let me put all that together. And here's the answer to the question of what is the foundation of our faith? He was saying to them, guys, I know it's tough and I know it ain't working out. 
And I know Jesus didn't show up. And I know you're having a hard time being a Christian in a primarily Jewish culture where they're pretty hostile. Right? Uh, this is when he was talking about the Hebrews. Yeah. Now, I know that God's not answering in Hebrews your prayers. And I know your children aren't buying into it. I know things are tough, but don't quit believing. Why? Well, not based on what you see around you. Don't quit believing because listen to what we have. We have in history a person who showed up and walked this earth as one of us, who was seen, who was touched, who was loved, who spoke, who performed miracles, who died on the cross in front of all of us, who was raised from the dead and seen by over 500 people who claim to have a unique relationship with God and who claims to be the one who represents us to God. That's who we have. And since we right now currently have that, that's why we don't give up believing. In other words, the foundation of our faith is a person. The foundation of our faith is not an experience. The foundation of our faith is not an answer to prayer. The foundation of our faith is a person, Jesus Christ, the Lord. <laughs> a little focus on the family background music there. That's it. Even, uh, so I, I really like the foundation of our faith aspect, but I would, if I had time to think about it, I'd probably define it differently because even... I'll just speak personally right now. Even the passages about 500 people seeing him, the risen Jesus, there's, there's a part of me, the, the constant skeptic that's like, this was written after the fact, you know, the, the muscle of like, Oh, it's written in the Bible. Therefore that is a hundred percent true is gone. Um, Scott would be throwing. I know, but I'm, and I'm not saying it's not true, but I'm realizing like it's a fact that it was written after the fact. So we cannot know that is true, which is why the self-sacrificial love, you know, that all things are written after the fact, right? Yes. Yes. So nothing is true. Andy (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. Here's a picture of me when I was younger. I recognize. No shit. Not all true. Pictures, all pictures of you, are of you when you were younger. Is that Stephen Wright or uh, Mitch Hedberg? Mitch Hedberg. Here's a picture of me when I was older. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Show me that camera. <laughs> Dude, I, that guy was a treasure. Uh, and so I'm not making a de- declarative statement that you can't trust the Bible. You're throwing it's, it out it's there. Just, you're holding. I re- when I heard this, when I heard people talk like this earlier in my faith, it would be like, oh, so nothing's true. You can't trust anything. And that's not the case, but it's like, let's get back to the definition of faith. And so that's why my ethic of self-sacrificial love and trying to hold to that, I know that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can trust and, and hold things that I believe are true, but I'm not confusing them with like, it's ironclad certainty. Um, because then, then if you like yeah. come across new information that changes that, then you throw everything out. Doesn't feel like I, I, that. Doesn't feel like you're in conflict with that statement. He hints at it with like the foundation oh, of no, your faith yeah. is is a person, and the yeah. person is Jesus. And what you've described there is like that's <laughs> that is exactly what Jesus did: self sacrificial love. Like all the points that you made of what your found the foundations of your faith are are yeah all manifest in Jesus. Yeah. And I, yeah, I agree with that. I just think that it, I don't think I would make people comfortable with declare that Jesus rose from the dead and he's a, he's a, sitting at the right hand of the father now. Like, 
be like, yeah, well, maybe. Like, what are you, what are you gonna play there? Satisfied. What are you gonna play? It's just, just don't, don't. People don't need to know how the oh, fight just okay. passed. It's fine, man. Okay. It's just well, man. I just so, but we're we're done. It's um, we're we're landing this. I, Jeff, thanks for doing some work. Yeah, you dude, did the work. You well, did the work. Look, look what hour and. One eleven. One eleven. Oh my God! All right, Zach, take over. Okay. No, it, we're not. We're, let's. Get I just into, turned the chapter. Uh, just turned the chapter. Hey, 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 man. Let's. Uh, what are we consuming, real quick? We got you know five minutes or so. Let's do this. I was supposed to fade that in. Shit. We'll fix that in post. We'll edit that out. <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> Apparently, I Jeff. What are you consuming? Oh come what on, con- Andy Stanley. No. Uh, yes, certainly, Andy oh. Stanley. But I haven't. I have not been consuming much over the past week because I was uh, consuming the snow on my head. <laughs> with, with your face, my head, and face, and ribs could just totally obliterated the mountain of mammoth. A good, like, a take good, that. Good little friends. Men getting away, good friends, old friends, some distant, some near, uh, going to Mammoth. That was a good weekend. And a couple of really good conversations. We we pretty much solved Calvinism up there. So, But uh, that's not what I'm consuming. I'm consuming a bunch of things. Um, books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what do I pick? I don't know. Something light, like Elden Ring, this new game that came out that's... I'm gonna I'm gonna go bald. I'm gonna go bald and full gray if I keep playing this game. Yeah, I love it and I hate it. You still can't get past that first boss, can if you? If there's an actual hell, I might send it there. Dude. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh Andy. I, I very quickly am reading I just started reading Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life and I'm really intentionally going slow. So like read a couple pages. Sit it's, for a little bit. It can be hard, but thanks for reading. <laughs> you need to ask yourself, what should I ask myself? How fast do you want to read this? I want to read it fast, but I can't. But you can't read it fast because it's too hard to understand. It is hard. It's hard to know. My objective next time is to come up with a Fozzie Bear voice. Oh, so that's I good. Can, it's not that far off. So I can talk with... <laughs> no. Yeah. Kermit. I don't pretend that mine's good. I can touch on it, but the longer I talk, it has to be real short phrases. Yeah, the further it goes. And I need... I warm up. So I'm reading that. Uh, I am... I'm going to... I started today as part of my Whole30. Remember, guys, I, I think I told you a long time ago, I'm good at quitting things. Starting, yeah, starting so things, good. I can't... I suck at starting new yeah. things. But I can quit things. So, uh, such a relief when you quit. It it is. So I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna tr- uh, try to be really intentional about any uh, phone time. I've caught myself just like engrossing, b- using it as a too much of a a time killer. So I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna not consume that, and I'm gonna consume that Jordan Peterson book. It's and, deep. Uh, it's good. I listened. I read it with my ears a while back. I should oh. re-listen, read it. Did he read it to you? He did. It's in his voice. Oh man, man, yeah, he reads it. <laughs> well, all right. Well, listener, tell me your thoughts on God. What is she doing for you? <laughs> 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 Jeff, I appreciate you uh, at Bros Bibles Beer on all the socials. Uh, we don't post much, but we will get it. If you send it or brosbiblesbeer at gmail.com or a voicemail at 
anchor.fm slash pod, and we want those voicemails. And actually, the question for anybody who might uh, contact us, uh, you know, from this podcast, is there something you've been propping up your faith on that you realize, man, this could crumble at any moment? Or maybe it has. And send us a message. Please do. But thanks, guys. And thanks again, Jeff, man. Nice like work. Clips. Good work. Yeah, way to clip it up. Cheers. Tell-